0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse It's episode 122. And Jimmy and Brandon are here with me. And we get to celebrate a win over Juventus. Not something we get to talk about too often, guys, but it was uh it was a gritty win, but a win nonetheless at the Olympic yesterday, thanks to John Luca Mancini. So how are you feeling about 24 hours after Roma's uh, big win against Juventus?
1: I'm feeling pretty great. I feel like overall, there were a lot of positives to take from that match, uh, despite some interesting tactical decisions to start. And, you know, some admittedly weaker performances from players like Nikola Zelevsky. The fact that we were able to get out of this one with a 1-0 win makes me happy. And honestly, that's the type of thing that throughout the 2010s Juventus was doing to us. So I'm happy to have a kind of flip the script a little bit compared to usual
2: yeah i have to say i think this is probably my first uh win over juventus since i've rejoined cdt so this is um a rare moment for me but yeah it was it was a it wasn't the prettiest match by any means but these matches against juventus are never are so that was to be expected and then it was always going to be a moment that made the difference and we would have thought that Bala was the one who was going to make that happen and ultimately was Mancini great for him given how well he's played this season um, but yeah that's kind of uh, if you had a write-up how Roma were going to win that match that's probably what you probably would have gone with
0: yeah I mean it was like the most Roma of Roma right to lose to Cremonese on Tuesday uh, winless team in Serie A bottom basement dwellers whatever you want to call them certainly bound for Setia B at this point. And then you bounce back five days later and you beat what has been the second best team in Setia this year, based on record. When you throw out the point deduction, Juve has the second most points earned on the pitch this year. So uh, a solid win. And I I think I saw, I think it was Wayne Gerrard tweeted. It It was the, this is the first time since 0304. I believe it said that Roma has gone unbeaten in a season series against Juve that took a point at the Allianz Arena earlier in the season all three points yesterday. Certainly Mancini, not the guy you expect to score the goal. It's been, I think, almost two seasons since he scored. You know, he scored a lot more when he was with uh, Adelante, more of a, like a, a free roll as a third center back there than what he's been doing here at Roma. But he had a little freedom to to move up the pitch yesterday, and he took full advantage. Great strike on on his part. I mean, that was certainly unexpected. Dybal would be the guy you would expect to to do the work, like Brandon said. But going back to the beginning, what Jimmy mentioned, the tactical setup, very different than I think what anybody probably would have expected. Roma's pretty much played with a striker. I, from what I can recall, every match this season, I think, um, with either Tammy or Belotti, there might have been one or two matches mixed in where they've gone a little bit of false nine. I, I think maybe there was one match earlier in the year. I can't recall which one that I remember Dibalo kind of playing that false nine role. But I did not expect it when I wrote the probables. And uh, it actually seemed to work pretty well. Mourinho overloading the midfield, playing basically a 3-4-2-1 kind of setup with... Uh, you know the two midfielders Ben Haldem and Pellegrini behind the ball is the false nine. Did that get you guys at all surprise you? did it make you you know scratch your heads a bit or or did you like it going into the match?
1: uh I was a little confused. um, I wasn't I would have thought that if Abraham was gonna be out, he was gonna be out like period, considering that he just uh his wife just his girlfriend just gave birth to a child. so like that's often you know, a reason why people don't play a match. Um, so I was more surprised that he played at all. Uh, but I, I guess I was always intrigued by the possibility of seeing DiBala as more of a false nine. I think it would have worked a little bit better with someone other than Wijnaldum in that role with Pellegrini. I think it might have been more interesting with uh, even like a Stefan el uh in that Wijnaldum role, uh, just because I think that it looked a little uncomfortable for Wijnaldum to be The effectively the forward because Pellegrini was not necessarily driving forward himself either Uh, but it worked Um, and I think that to a certain extent with Juventus they've had our number for so many years now that a lot of the time to get anything over on them I feel like we have to be creative with our lineups and Mourinho displayed some creativity tonight our last night and you got to be proud of that
2: yeah, and that's kind of what he does. I mean, we've seen that throughout his career. He's um, that's why he's referred to as a special one because he, he will come up with these unexpected uh, formations and uh, you know personnel out on the pitch, and more often than not, in his career, it's panned out. And Roma are the current beneficiaries of that. So that's you know um, in line with what he's shown so far throughout his career, but. Obviously, it did take me by surprise when the lineups were announced. I just chalked it up to, um, him still recovering from his eye injury, plus, um, as Jimmy was mentioning, with the birth of his his um his newborn, that uh I'm sure he missed a few training sessions to to take care of business as he rightfully should. Steve, you could probably speak more to that <laughs> than uh, <laughs> Jimmy and I, <laughs> but um. So I kind of just chalked it up to that. As for, I I, I, I agree that I would have thought El Shirari would have gotten the start over them in that position, but with the game plan being to control the game, um, the flashes that we have seen from w- Wijnaldum thus far have shown that he would probably be pretty adept at that strategy, and so I get the logic in, in playing him. But in terms of uh, production going forward, it was clear he was very uncomfortable, even though When he was playing for Liverpool, he, uh, you know, he played in a little bit more of an advanced role than probably he is currently playing for Roma. Um, But having said that, it did work out not in the way that we expected, but um, in these types of matches, you you know, you just kind of take what you get.
0: Yeah, when I saw that lineup, I immediately thought they're stacked in the midfield. They want to try to control the, the, the game a little bit more and not let Juve control too much of it in the center of the park where Roma can have trouble at times. Um, but yeah, the, I think the product going forward did suffer a bit. And when them did not look very comfortable in that role. I mean, the XG on, on FB reference, our XG was 0.6. Juve's was 0.8. It was a game that was certainly bogged down the midfield at points. Um, I thought... Certain players stepped up, um, Mancini for one, of course. Uh, We'll get to him. Uh, I also want to mention Rui Patricio. He's been much maligned. He probably cost them the Cremonese match in the end with that penalty kick and maybe being a little late to react to the first goal. Uh, But yesterday, uh, he was huge. He got the highest rating on Sofa score, rating of eight. He got some fingertips on that Rabiot header that hit the post late in the first half that would have given Juve the lead. Uh, he made a couple big saves yesterday. I, I thought he kind of turned back the clock a little bit and that was exactly what Roma needed in this kind of match where Juve had the bulk of the shots uh, compared to Roma. They outshot Roma 14, six, five to two on target. And I thought Rui actually stepped up pretty well.
1: Yeah. Kind of almost felt like he heard all the rumors about Thiago Pinto going to buy a brand spanking new goalkeeper this summer and was like, you know, I've still got something left in the tank. Um, do I think that that, means that we shouldn't be looking for a goalkeeper this summer? No, I think that, you know, he's getting older. That's just kind of what happens after a certain point, even to the best of goalkeepers. But it's nice to know that he has matches like this left, at least for the rest of the season, because it's going to be very helpful for us as we get deeper into the uh, Europa League and uh, the deeper, as like, you know, just the deeper we get into the Serie A season.
2: Yeah, with with the keeper of uh Rui's experience he's always going to have that type of performance in his in his bag uh, it's just a matter of how often can he can he bring it out these days um and that's been the main concern with uh you know sticking with him going forward but he had a he had a big match and uh i have to be honest when um in the last minute of extra time when pogba had that chance and it, it went right to him even the, or it wasn't pogba pogba had the re- was um for the rebound but whoever shot it i was very sure that that was going to go in and uh we were all going to collectively throw our tvs out the window because that would have been so cool
0: <laughs> it would have been a very cool ending to to, to have that game end one one on a last minute goal and and I, I know exactly the moment you're talking about. You kind of like took that breath, like uh oh, uh-oh, like yeah. this, is, this is not gonna be another Roma moment, right? And uh, he held on to it. He had, he did have one a little bit earlier, I think, too, uh, kind of around stoppage time where he kind of brought it down and it fell to the ground. and He quickly picked it back up, but um he made a couple really good saves so I want to I wanted to give him a shout out because he's been much maligned I've been very critical we've been critical I know Bren uh is is just about done with him he was not a fan even when Roma uh bought him and and, you know he usually does a lot of the goalkeeper pieces so uh good to see Rui step up
2: that's what I was gonna say though that's why Bren rejected your invitation to come on because could be (laughs) Rui Rui did have a good performance (laughs)
0: We're working on it, guys. We're trying to get Brent back on the show. It's been a long, long time. He he does all the, the editing and everything for the show. And you know, he's writing constantly for the site. But we try <laughs> to get him on to celebrate a Uve win, but maybe it was the uh the Rui <laughs> praise that was coming that that deterred him.
2: He just consistently guests us. It's my favorite.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we need to win the scudetto, maybe, to get him on. So it might be a while, but um the other guy, obviously, man of the match performance, Gianluca Mancini. I mean, he had a very, very strong match, both going forward, in the back. Um, with with the extra midfielder, kind of gave a little bit more free reign to him and Ibanias. I noticed, to push up at times, Mancini especially. The strike, I think the XG that I saw on that strike was like .03 or something. It was, it was almost close to zero, right? He's not a guy who shoots the ball a lot. When he does get a, a, a goal here and there, it's usually with the header on a set piece. And he just – he placed that perfectly uh, past Chesney. He could probably hit that another 100 times between training and, and matches and maybe make a, a handful of them. But um, also we saw – you know, he he's a real bastard, right, in, in playing English. And we saw it with Moise Keane at the end. Keen came in, and Keen literally lasted about 45 seconds on the pitch. Uh, Mancini was kind of – was tussling with him. The ball went out of play, and then, you know – I guess he was a little, a little rough with Keane and and Keane immediately reacted and kicked out at Mancini, got the red card. They showed the replay after the match on uh, Paramount and they like fast forwarded the time Keane was on the the field and it was, it literally was under a minute. And that just goes to show you that Mancini can play that mind game. He's had a very solid season. We've talked about that. Um, I, I thought he was man of the match goal aside. I thought he had a very strong match all around yesterday.
1: Yeah, I would go with that. I think that Mancini, even before that red card, was looking quite quite great because of the goal. But even without, the, like, even without those two really influential moments where he basically turned the course of the game in both situations, uh, Mancini looked impressive. I think that he sometimes doesn't get as much shine as Rodri Banyas or Chris Smalling, in part because I think that the the fan base generally accepts that Ibanez is Ibanez gets to be the hothead, the one who can make really dumb decisions sometimes because he is in more of a role on the on a regular basis where he's individually man marking his, his defense looks more impressive, so to speak, in, in kind of the way that like Medi Benatia's defense looked more impressive um during his time with Roma than Alejandro Castan. And I think that Mancini is somewhat in between those two uh in terms of how he fits into roma's back three at the moment and so people just see the yellow cards and they think oh man this guy's a pain in the ass and i will admit that there are times where i I do wonder if he's going to be like the subject of a netflix miniseries a couple (laughs) years down the line because he does get a little a little crazy looking um but at the same time he's one of our longest tenured guys at this point actually i've been i was looking at it's it's the the core three of him Cristante and uh, Pellegrini have been around for probably around the longest in the squad and they provide a lot of leadership. And that's kind of what you need a leader to be able to do to pull a goal out of nothing. And he definitely did that.
2: Yeah. And I think the cool thing about those three players um, that you named Jimmy's when Mourinho came, you kind of pegged uh, Mancini as a Mourinho guy and you knew that they're probably going to get along great. Pellegrini had this, uh, you know, his background as Roma's captain, being Roman and all that. So you knew that he, as someone who's going to bleed for the shirt, going to get along with Mourinho. And then Crisante being the quintessential utility player that he is uh, would probably be somebody that Mourinho would rely upon heavily. And here we are a couple of years later, and they've developed both on the pitch and off the uh, by a great deal and it's you know it, it, it's 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 just cool that you can kind of you, you could have pegged that from the beginning um and it, it shows the evolution of this team from when um you know what level they were at when Fonseca came over and then to tie it back to the Mancini topic Mourinho post-match obviously glowing praise for Man uh for Mancini fighting the fact that he's really cut down on his yellow cards um and proved in his leadership and all that good stuff so you know credit to him and like i said at the beginning the, the goal was well warranted for him
0: yeah he has cut down the yellow cards this year he, he's still you know a, a prick to play against as moise keen can attest to but he hasn't been getting booked as much which is so important i think last year he led city out with like 15 yellow cards which is an, an absurd number. It's really a card like less than every three matches. So uh, really improved. I, I, I like the point you guys made about Marino and, and the, the development we've seen of those three as the leaders and Mancini's the more fiery of the three, I'd say, right. In terms of his personality, Cristante though, you can see he's always been a leader on the pitch since marino has been around Pellegrini too, you know, <clears throat> being the captain. And, and I think it was, you know um, you know, a, a testament to the work he's put in to get that goal unexpectedly. I said to be the hero uh, even the look on his face, there was a tweet from, I think it was Seti It was like the four steps to scoring the goal. And the first was like Mancini looking like, did I just score the goal? Then he starts like sprinting with his arms out and, and all that. And it was, it's good to see because it's not a guy you expect. And you, you, in matches like this, it's it's a guy that you don't really expect that tends to step up in a, in a, a match that really nobody can seem to find the the space to find a goal. Uh, you know, Vlaovic was quiet. DiBala was pretty quiet. Those guys you really expect. They kept Di Maria, Di Maria pretty contained for the most part. Um, one guy who was, who was really non-existent for Juventus was Manuel Locatelli, their big midfielder. Um, you know, he's, he's an Italian national team fixture. He came over for a big fee from Sassuolo. And until he got booked in the 25th or so minute, I I said, you know, I didn't even notice him. And I was looking through Twitter and Scott Monroe, who hosts La Magica cast actually put out like, uh, a thread of some of the tactical things he noticed. And one of them was that, um, Pellegrini and Cristante were man-marking Locatelli and kind of switching off on him and, and really taking away his time and space. And if, if that was the case, uh, as Scott saw it, it, they did a great job because I was texting my buddy about a half hour into the match. I'm like, has Locatelli touched the ball. The only time I've seen him is, is with the yellow card. So, uh, the, the midfield plan definitely
2: did work for Mourinho
0: in that, in that sense.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I agree that Locatelli was kind of quiet. I, aside from he had a couple of long shots that he
0: had the long but, shot yeah
2: yeah yeah the first one was a little scary but then the second one was you know uh very casual for Rui to deal with so no harm no foul there um for me Di maria was the the one that scared me every time he was on the yeah. ball that 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 moment where he um hit the ball over uh Cristante's head <laughs> as he was <laughs> running <laughs> I was, he's been in play- some form for them this year I know. lately I know. I, I, I thought he would be the one that was just gonna break our hearts at the end. Um as he as he's done in his career to to many a team. But um Vlaovic also, as you mentioned, very quiet, a testament to smalling. Juve's first chance was a Vlaovic opportunity, but aside from that, I don't think he had a single um shot worth mentioning, which is which is great considering that he was the one that broke our backs uh in the reverse picture with that free yeah, kick, that as we all, been, yeah, as mm-hmm. we all remember. And so he he was very close to doing so again, but um, thankfully, it didn't pan out that way. But and, and then going back to what you were saying about how these moments of magic kind of come from unexpected sources. When, um, I saw Mancini celebrate that one of the first things that came to mind was uh, Manolas' celebration against Barcelona, yes. also yes. waving his hands wildly in the air, mm-hmm. um, or that. Vincent company long shot goal against Leicester to help City win the title a couple of years back again. Unexpected source. Um so yeah, you know, credit, credit to Roma for keeping those big names contained. Um and even, you know, I, I know he's still recovering from injury, but when Paul Pogba came on and Kase came on again, that was those are two big names that you're like, oh, I don't know if they're going to hold on when is uh, throwing all this firepower on the pitch. But um, relatively stress-free rest of the match after they scored, to be honest with you, aside from a few shaky moments here and there. And then under normal circumstances, when you see seven minutes of extra time flash on the mm-hmm. screen, you, your eyes bulge. And I, I, to be honest, I have no idea where, where that accumulated from. Maybe, I guess, the, the Keen incident. Uh, yeah, it's, that, it's, Juventus time. Juventus
1: time is a whole other
2: concept. Man. It, well, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but yeah, having said like having said that, the, that seven minutes of a time was very, very stress free. Um, and you know, you, you had your eye on the clock the whole time, but they weren't. They they never came close to to conceding, aside from that one shot that, thankfully, uh, went right towards Rui. But so you know, credit to to Mourinho and the team for implementing the game plan so effectively.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would agree with everything Brandon just said. The one thing I would add is that even though Dybala himself didn't have a goal or anything like that to, um yesterday, I think that yesterday's match was an indicator of just kind of how important it can be to have a guy like Dybala around. It's kind of like a rising tide lifts all boats to a certain extent that when you have a player who's as dangerous as Paulo DiBala normally is, you have to do some type of defense on him on a regular basis Otherwise, he's going to punish you. And I was saying this to some friends while we were watching the match yesterday that in a lot of in normal situations, Juventus' attack is very similar. Uh, you've got Vlaovic, you've got Di Maria, you've got Kostic, you've got guys who will make you pay if you don't defend them properly. And the advantage of that is that when you've got so many guys that you do need to defend properly, it leads to a situation where guys who might not be getting all of the line share of the attention from the defense, like a Mancini, have the chance to score. Um, granted, that was a type of goal where, you know, I don't think there was any chance of Chesney stopping it. I also don't really know how many times it would go in in the future if Mancini had tried to do that exact shot like 100 more times. So we got to appreciate it for what it was. But at the same time, it's just another instance where having Paolo Dybala really opens things up for other players just as much as he opens things up for himself. Yeah,
0: I, I agree with that full full on. Though those kind of players like the Dubals of the World, they do open up so much for other players because teams have to pay so much attention to them, right? They often have to end up double teaming a player like that. We see it with with other great players too. And it just makes everybody around them better, even when they're not facilitating the play themselves. So um we you mentioned Ibanias too he had a he had a very strong game. Um he had eight clearances. He was strong in the back uh along with Uh, two aerial duels won he drew a couple fouls he had another strong match Uh, Smalling had a strong match the low block defense worked wonders like Brandon said Vlaovic very quiet after only had that one early early chance Locatelli shots were from deep outside the box so a lot of things that worked very well tactically uh, for Roma they they just pulled out this gritty win Jim mentioned early on Zalewski had a rough match I thought I thought um, Karsdorp would have come on sooner for him I thought that he had a very tough time against Kostic I think Kostic was four or five or five of six successfully taking taking him on on the dribble so <clears throat> not a natural defender not certainly a natural right-sided defender at that so he's kind of in a tough spot when he plays there I think what Mourinho was looking to do was to try to push the wings more with Spinatola and Zalewski on the break since he was stacking the midfield with the the deep-lying three center backs uh just didn't work out yesterday for Zalewski luckily it didn't cost Roma at all but he had a couple um kind of errant passes that kind of turn into Juve half chances. So learning experience for him, I think, and then he's just got to move on and and kind of go on to the next match, I think.
1: Yeah, I'd go along with that. I I am still kind of worried about his long-term because it seems like I'm getting Alessandro Florenzi PTSD from Zaleski to a certain extent. I think that uh, he seems very eager to play wherever Mourinho wants him to play, which is great. In the sense that he's getting minutes way more than any other young player in the squad. Uh, It's not even close at this point. Like, Bove gets some sub minutes. Volpado gets even fewer sub minutes. It's basically just Zalewski getting a huge amount of runtime, which is great for him. But at the same time, for Poland, he plays as like a 10, effectively. Um, like, I think that he's most, like, when he was coming out, we were thinking about him as an attacking midfielder. And you can argue, like, oh, the way that w- our wingbacks play is actually closer to an attacking midfielder than a traditional fullback, like, sure, maybe, kind of. But at the same time, I really hope that we get enough fullback depth one way or another so that in the next year or so he could maybe play in that album spot in, that st- in the starting 11 that we pulled out to the... um. This time around, I think that would be probably his ideal position, to be honest. And you do worry about playing someone out of position for too long during their like very early de- developmental stages as a player.
2: Yeah, I think for me, I'm not worried about uh, the performance against Juve. I mean, Kostic is uh, a great player, and so as a defender that's going to happen every now and then where you get burned on the night. And it was Zalewski's time last night, but I think what's important is what he, what he takes away from it and applies it to his game moving forward. Um, in terms of his long-term future at the position, I think, I, I don't know, I guess it could be fair to ask if he was showing such uh, potential offensively in training, you would think that Mourinho would figure out other solutions um, in terms of the personnel on the pitch to play Zalewski in a more forward role if he thought that was going to be one of uh, Roma's best chances to score. But for now, this is the position that he's in. And I think, um, you know, as, as we've seen with Kostitch, he everybody talks about how he's one-trick ponies, but he's so effective at it. And so would Zalewski playing this alternate position, at this point in time, it's just um, you know him developing a skill set that's going to help him out later on as he's continues career as a winger. Um, I wouldn't put too much stock into his position internationally. I know prior to um, this recent wing back experience, he he was also still a winger for club. Um, but you know we've seen with like David Alaba for Austria that he'll play in the midfield, but for club play center-back, left-back, um, Zinchenko as well for Ukraine. So, you know, when you have these more technical players on these international teams with less big names than maybe we're accustomed to with your France's and your England's, you tend to see some of these players play at a position. But I, I do think that Zaleski's long-term future is at the winger position, having said all that. Um, but in terms of you know, I, I ultimately I think, you know, the the game was just a one off and um as we've seen he's been consistently improving. So I think he'll just apply that to his game going forward.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's a one off. You know, Kostic is a tough customer on that that wing and and he's experienced and, and he you know he handled the left skill a little bit last time. But no harm, no foul for Roma thankfully and, and they move on. Um, I think maybe the funniest moment of the night, and I didn't see it live, but I saw it a couple times on, on Twitter and, and Roma's Instagram today. I don't know if you guys caught it the video of Jose Mourinho, the, the JM cam, when Mancini scored the goal. Did you guys get to see that?
2: Of course. Of he course.
0: was, yep. he did not even <laughs> flinch when Mancini scored the goal. He was talking to Tammy, one of the assistant coaches, and, and as soon as it went in, Tammy just started sprinting down the sideline away from uh, Mourinho, and Mourinho did not even flinch. So, Going to Jose, I mean, he, he's a character in itself. Uh, usually has a, a much more, uh, you know, demonstrative reaction to, to goals, especially big goals like that one. But how big do you think it was that he was on the sidelines last night and that his suspension was at least suspended for a, a match? We'll see if it uh, gets upheld later on or not. But having him on the sidelines in a match like this, I, I think, has to be a benefit to Roma.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would definitely go with that. I would say that, you know, in general, Mourinho is widely considered one of the best managers in the game's history at this point. Um, And as much as Foti has had a good record when he's played, when he's been the manager, because Mourinho has been out, like, you know, I think that the guys believe in Mourinho more than anything else. It's very obvious from every single interview, every single training picture that when Mourinho talks, they listen. And so to have him on the sideline, as opposed to you know somewhere in the stadium, definitely helps out a lot. I think it also, you know, people sometimes critique the way that he manages the press. I've actually almost, i I feel like I've usually understood why he talks the way that he talks in front of the press. And compared to a lot of other managers, he's very protective of this squad. Like he won't, he'll be honest. He will say, like, this squad has some growing up to do. This squad has some mentality issues. But those are things that are true, and I think that if he lied too much about that, the players wouldn't respect him either. I think that his straightforward but defensive way of attack of being in the press room works, and I think that you see that kind of in how much the players care about him. I'd also say that it probably it doesn't wouldn't surprise me if the fact that he defended Zaniolo for so long also kept him in good graces with the entire squad because everyone wants to have the support of the manager like that through a rough patch. And although they eventually parted ways, like I cannot think of many instances beyond after before uh, um, Xenio submitted his transfer request where Mourinho was like, man, he sucked tonight or something like that. And that's what you need from a manager. You need a manager who's a big enough personality that he can take on some of the heat, that might get directed towards the players, especially in an environment like Rome.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I would say, one, Mourinho's reaction in that video just lets me know that uh, how he felt, how precarious that lead was. Um, <laughs> just the one goal lead against Juve is certainly not enough in his eyes um, to to be able to properly celebrate. But uh, in terms of having him on, actually at the game, and his suspension rescinded. I think it, tactically, I don't know that it made much of a difference, but in terms of morale, it obviously makes a huge difference going off of all the points that Jimmy made. Um, Master motivator in Mourinho. So obviously you're going to have some benefits of having them out there despite, um, you know, I'm sure over FaceTime, he's giving the pregame speech and the, the halftime speech and what have you. If he were were to be suspended, but uh, it just seems that when he is in the dugout, this team feels like they have a security blanket over them, especially when they're playing at home. Um, they this team clearly feels like they're unstoppable, um, barring something calamitous happening. So, I think five yeah, straight like, at home uh, without conceding a goal and saying yeah, that, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, a fortress, which is what they were showing at the end of last season too. So it's just. What 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 we come to expect with them,
0: and that's so important to make the Gold Fortress. I mean, they're, they're packed fifty five thousand plus whatever the capacity is that they allow in on on a regular match day uh, in that stadium, and it's, and it's been huge for Roma. I mean, their their home record has improved. Even the home matches that they lost, the ones at the one to Latte, those were one nothing tough losses. They weren't conceding a lot of goals. I mean, their home road split right now. I'm just gonna pull it up real quick. At home this season, instead, yeah, Roma has scored fourteen and allowed just five, with uh, eight wins, one draw, and three losses. Um, and then on the road, just to to kind of take a comparison, there six wins, four draws, three losses, eighteen forced and sixteen allowed. So it just goes to show the difference at home. Uh, Roma is so much more effective. The other home loss was, of course, Napoli, a one goal loss. So they, those goals they allowed were to three of the teams that are really competing for Champions League places. Uh, against everybody else they're almost you know they're almost unstoppable at home I think Torino got one goal that that was the draw uh, at home so they've been very very good Mourinho certainly gives them that presence on the sidelines and and like Jimmy said he's honest in the press and some of his quotes he says it all the time you know we have our limitations he's very honest with his players with the with the fans with the press I don't think he wants to create um, unnecessary expectations that he knows his team can't achieve so some might see that as excuses some might see it as mind games but i think it's i think it's honesty for the most part he's been around long enough where he doesn't have to try to mask those kind of things and and he lets it be known all right so we're starting to run out of time here uh, we got to run but i just want to thank everybody who submitted those questions on twitter and on the message boards and if we didn't get to yours today we still thank you for submitting and we had quite a few people respond so we we love the engagement we love all the great questions you guys ask get us thinking and talking about roma so brandon before we wrap just a quick 5 minutes or so Big match on Sunday at the Olympico, hosting Juventus, who, yes, they may be sitting down in seventh place on 35 points, but in reality, they'd be on 50 if uh, it weren't for that penalty. They'd be sitting pretty in second place, coming off a 4-2 win against Torino in the the Turin Derby that they played right after Roma played. They actually trailed 1-0, trailed 2-1, and found a way to win 4-2. So what are you expecting from Roma against a Juve team that they have a very difficult time beating most of the time?
2: yeah. I think it depends on how uh, Mourinho's appeal goes. I think if he's on the touchline, um, able to do his thing, uh, I, th- I think you know, I, th- I think Roma has a fighting chance. I think he just provides them with the psychological aspect that they really rally behind. I don't know. There's not a big enough sample size to know if his uh, assistant you know brings out that same you know emotion out of the out of the team so i think you you trust i mean you know that he's going to give the pregame speech and all that And it's really just what happens during the 90 minutes that he's not really a part of but at the yeah same time, he's setting the some, lineups
0: there, right he's giving the pre-match yeah. speech he's probably walkie talking something into to foti at some point through, through yeah. like a sideline guy
2: he, he, He's there, but he's not really there. But there's also the mind games aspect on the pitch, and that's more what I'm speaking of. But um, as we've seen time and time again, this team really tries to uh, come out on the front foot following a disappointing performance. So you have to imagine they'll be doing the same here. They'll have a packed and rocking Olympico behind them that always uh, does wonders for their morale and their confidence. So I... Expect a strong start from them. I think the the number one storyline to look for is this going to be the DiBolo revenge game or is it going to be mm. the Paul Pogba revenge game? Uh, you know, how he feels about Mourinho. Maybe it's good ah, that Mourinho... Yes, maybe it's good that Mourinho's idea. not on the touchline. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like the water boy when he, he'll just visualize Mourinho's face on um, uh, Rui Patricio and just lash a shot out from 30 yards out. Yeah, it, it is...
0: Uh, You know, some, some would say this is like, gonna be like the terrorist ball game where both teams play defensive and neither wants to concede a goal because it's Allegri and Mourinho um, two teams that don't score a whole lot um, as, as little as Juve scored Roma scored fewer Roma only 31 goals in 24 matches conceding 21 Juve 19 conceded 40 scored. So these are two teams that don't, don't give up a whole lot um, less than a goal game against two offenses that don't score a whole lot. I mean, I was talking about my other podcast with, with my buddies and the, the the team total like props for over a goal and a half scored by either team. They're both like plus two something plus three something. So the books expect a very low scoring match and, and logic would say that. And then I did a little digging and like Roma Juve matches. We think of like the one, one from earlier in the season and, and things like that. And then you look back and in their last 10 games, last year we had that four, three thriller for the wrong reasons at the Olympic that went Juve's way um two seasons ago juve roma at the olympico 2-2 there was a 3-1 up in uh Turin late in the 2020 season when roma won that match that was kind of meaningless at the end of the season um a 3-1 copa match juve's way a 2-1 juve match so it's not always so low scoring which surprised me a bit because you i always think of the low scoring matches like the one we saw recently and then you forget that there there are some goals scored in these matches
2: you know what that means though Zero zero. Zero zero. Away. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there there's there are always tense affairs. And so that always tends to lead to more l- low scoring results. But at the same time, once a goal or two does go in, things really start to open up. And both teams have the quality to mm-hmm. um, make you pay if things start to open up, especially Roma these days under Mourinho. So, um, as we always say, it's, it's all dependent on who scores first. Do Roma yep. concede within the first five minutes yet again against U of A? Um, against or, a lot of
0: big teams, really. Yeah, right?
2: that's yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Or one of their top four rivals, as we've seen time and time again. So really, if they can weather that first 15, 20 minutes, not concede, grow into the game. Ideally, they would be coming out on the front foot, but I don't know that we can trust this team to do that. Um, So if they're able to weather the storm, grow into the game, they always get more confident as the game grows on. I saw somebody lament on Twitter, why doesn't this team do anything until like the 60th minute? Yeah,
0: a lot of times they have to get like punched in the gut first too.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But the key is that it can't happen so early on that you're just demoralized the rest of the game. So if they give up a 30th minute goal, uh, that sucks, but I would expect them to equalize at some point um in the match. If they concede in the first five minutes on something infuriating might be a long night. But yeah, conversely, as we've seen, if they score first five ten minutes, they yeah. usually uh, you know can add another one at the very least uh, write out the result for the win.
0: Yeah, it, it's important they don't concede in the second minute like they did in the second match of the season against Juve when Vlaovic scored so early and just kind of took the wind out of their sails. They did find a way to equalize and the match finished 1-1. But yeah, I mean, if, if they can score first at the, Olymp- at the Olympic on one of these matches against a team like Juve, who's so, you know, loathed by pretty much every fan base besides their own, like the cr- the crowd's going to be behind him. You know, there's probably going to be 55,000 people in the stands, whatever the, the capacity is these days for Roma matches. So, Scoring first would be so huge. I mean, I think back to those two Atalanta matches last year when they hit Atalanta first and didn't look back. Like, we haven't seen a performance like that since since those Atalanta matches, really. Um, Yeah. In terms of hit him first and hit him three times and and kill the match off against a big team. Um, We saw them come back against Inter and the San Siro was huge. We saw them come back and get a point against Milan. The San Siro was huge. They do respond when they get hit um but like you said if you get hit too early sometimes it just kind of takes all the wind out of your sails from that Mourinho pre-match talk and everybody's kind of down and then you got to fight your way back just to get that leveler and if you give up a second it's really over so um it'll be interesting to see I, I think like we say every time they're going to play a top four side gotta make the first move don't sit back so much curious to see where the possession battle goes because this is a Juve side that I think uh, conceded about 60 percent possession of Torino the other day Roma does a similar thing against most teams. So it's almost like you take, <laughs> the, ball, you take the ball, you take the ball. Like yeah. We, we rather <laughs> counterattack. We don't want to hold the ball. So I'm curious to see how that happens. Um, you know, just looking at some of the the little stats they have on the the match preview on on Google. Roma have suffered their most Serie A defeats against Juve. The Bianco Neri have won eighty five league games against the Jolarossi, including three in the last four between the two sides. So it's things like that. The history has yes. not gone Roma's way. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> I can't even imagine anybody else has, like, 60 wins against Roma, let alone 85. Yeah, so.
2: 85 is such a brutal number to read out loud. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's a lot. <laughs> Considering the league's been – like, the team's been around for not even 100 oh years, God, years yet, so that's yeah, yeah. that's a lot. And that's Serie yeah. A defeats, not even Copa. Yeah. Um Yeah. I guess we'll, well, we'll end it on that, brutal know, note, we'll, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. We'll, well, you know, fingers crossed guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so again, we thank you for joining us. This is a Thursday recording because of the the crazy schedule for Romo last week, but we will be back early next week to hopefully break down uh, a positive result against Juve. Uh, some of their rivals, you know, Lazio hosts or travels to Napoli tomorrow. Hopefully Napoli does us a favor. Uh, Milan's playing Fiorentina. Could be a tricky spot for them. So, Hopefully things go Roma's way and then they they take care of business on Sunday and we'll be back hopefully on uh, probably Monday to record with Jimmy back. Although if Roma loses, I don't know, Brandon, he might be hiding again. So um, we'll leave it there. Any any last words of wisdom for the listeners before this big match?
2: Words of wisdom. Um, I'll go with, as the great Sam Jackson once said, hold on to your butts.
0: (laughs) We'll leave it there, guys. Thanks again for listening.